the Televerse podcast from Pop Optic TV. P-O-P-O-P-T-I-Q.com. Comedy, reality, drama, genre, and what's in between. Cover me anything that's interesting. Hello and welcome to the Televerse Pop Optics TV podcast. This is Kate Kolsnick, TV editor of PopOptic.com, and I'm joined this week by friend of the show. Uh, what does this make you? Is this Are you a seven-timer now? Uh, David Bax from Battleship Retention. Hey, watch this with uh, uh, Paul and David. And uh, Oh, no, just those two for now. I keep expecting you to have another podcast. My bad. Well, I used to have one called Previously On. Yes, of which I was a faithful listener. And I have it. This is maybe in the spring. Yeah. Because my uh, um, first off, thank you for having me on the show. Um, my movie podcast co-host has a new podcast specifically about Survivor that yes. he does with his wife. Um, and that's that's Tyler Smith. And the name of the podcast is worth playing for. Starting up with the new season. Yes. And so I'm thinking maybe in the spring, because I can't just let Tyler have his thing. Of course not. I have to rival him. I'm thinking that my wife and I, um, Mrs. Howell, as she is known, yes. uh, will start an Amazing Race podcast. Uh, <laughs> this is very exciting news. But that would be, we, we were like trying to work it out for this, but we were like, let's not like step on Tyler's <laughs> immediately. Um, You'll give him this one. Well, yeah, yeah, this season. Next season, I'll probably do an Amazing Race podcast. We already have a name picked out, which I'm super excited about that I'm not going to say. Because uh, naming but, is the worst thing ever. It's super hard. Yeah, but uh, it's a, it, Amazing Race fans will love the name we have picked out. Uh, we haven't decided if my wife will actually say what her real name is or if she'll <laughs> continue to be Mrs. Owl, which is what she's known as on Hey, Watch This. Um, but if you know uh, what Mrs. Howell represents, you could probably put together what her real name is. Um, anyway. Uh, so those are my podcasts. Very nice. Very exciting. Uh, I wanted to specifically mention, of course, for those who don't listen to Battleship Retention, but maybe uh, do listen to the Televerse and are familiar, uh, enjoyed the, the Hannibal podcast that I, I did while that sh- with my co-host Sean Coletti uh, when that show was, was running. R.I.P. Hannibal, we love you very much. Um, yes. And enjoyed the Kate's Classical Corner section. Enjoyed the discussion of music and classical music. They may very well want to go over to Battleship Retention and listen to this week's episode yeah. where you talked about uh, film scores. Let me rephrase where tyler and friend of that show uh west anthony talked about film scores and you mostly sat quietly in the background david i'm i have to give you a little crap about that i moderated you have like no thoughts on the third man one of the all-time great scores which is somewhere on the list i won't say where i mentioned the techno remix in uh, rob cohen's triple x starring vin diesel i definitely weighed in on uh, the third man score yes i suppose Uh, yeah I, i i am not um I do not have the confidence talking about music that I have talking about uh, other aspects of movies. And we've discussed this previously and separately uh, off off mic about how you should have more confidence. Just talk about it. Nobody expects you to be an expert, but you have opinions. They are yeah, I, another part of it is that I don't have um, my memory doesn't grip on to music the way it does other things. So sometimes I feel like I'm... Uh, speaking out of school when I talk about a score because I might not remember it all that well. Fair enough. Was a little disappointed that, uh, just spoiler alert for those who are going to listen to this episode on, on your podcast, that uh, High Noon did not make the list. And okay. I can't complain about that because I didn't send in a list because I figured uh, all of my picks were going to be scores that I like to play. 
Uh, and that doesn't really seem uh-huh. like it was in the spirit of the thing. <laughs> to just be like, well, this one, I love the Terra theme and from Gone with the Wind, and you right. can't not have Magnificent Seven. And of course, you got to have Lawrence of Arabia, and Wes Anthony is right. That entire score is amazing. It's not just the one theme, unlike several other choices that right. may have ended up on the list, but that's okay. Um, yeah. Uh, but then High Noon didn't get on, and it's my own damn fault for not voting for it. Uh, the score, um, uh, now I can't because really, I also didn't vote, and there was one, and now I forget what it was, that didn't get on, and Tyler was like, yeah, if it had had one more vote, it would have oh, been on the list. So I, tell I me that wasn't Spinal Tap. Uh, it definitely wasn't Spinal Tap. God, oh, you know what it was? It was Dead Man, uh, oh. which is the uh, Neil Young all like super distorted guitar score. I did not vote for Dead Man. That didn't make the list. The other one that didn't make the list that I love, maybe my favorite score of all time, is Ravenous uh, by uh, Michael Nyman and Damon Albarn. Um, that's a fantastic score. I don't know if you were familiar with it. No, uh, I'm not. I, no, I. There, there. That's the other thing is that since I became a almost entirely TV person, what with the ridiculous, you know, hashtag peak TV or whatever, um, not having time <laughs> to really watch uh, film the way that I used to. I have not caught, gone back and caught up on any number of the films I've been told I need to watch again uh, or need to, to check out, including Dead Man, including Ravenous. I have seen, like, I can't even contribute to the yearly best uh, film, like, site-wide polls that, that, that the right. website does because I don't feel I can honestly, legitimately contribute to that conversation when I'm like, well, I've seen 10 movies, so... Yeah. <laughs> At least you have a top ten. You could just put your no. the ten that I saw. <laughs> you need to also have a bottom ten in order to be able to contribute to those things. You need to have seen enough that you can have a top and a bottom. Or no, that's at least that's how I that's how, how I feel about it. But uh, do you ever wonder why uh why, why when you and I do a podcast together it always goes so long? I don't know why that could be. <laughs> that's an interesting topic. I would love to about- explore that further, but I feel like maybe. <laughs> You know, the better part of 10 minutes in, we should probably get started because there's a lot to, lot of TV to talk about this week. We're going to have our fall TV preview coming at the end of the show instead of the DVD shelf. Um, some interesting shows to talk about there, some less yeah. so. Oh, I've got um, I've got some things I really want to go to bat for, and I've got at least one that I want to warn people <laughs> away from. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, But before we get to that, of course, we're going to kick things off with a truncated weekend TV. We're trying to keep things a little... Uh, shorter on the front end of the show because we know it's going to be a long closing segment. So, uh, so now that we've gone super longer than we needed to at the top, let's take a break and come back with our week in TV. Abandoned on Christmas is a rite of passage. Neglected, dejected, you're left out again. It's basic to be bitter on Christmas, but I don't need a holiday to flex my bitterness. What's really basic is to be bitter just once a year. I know it's lame to be a bitch about Christmas, but consider all the minutes that I spent perfecting it. Why should bitter take a holiday if my bitterness is? This 
week in comedy, David and I are going to preview The Last Man on Earth, and then I'll preview a little bit of this upcoming season of Bob's Burgers, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Fresh Off the Boat, and Blackish. Then I'll talk a little bit about the Difficult People finale, Difficult Christmas, um, review Murder, Magic 8-Ball, Procrastination, and then we'll both talk about Married 1997. So first off, though, let's let's preview The Last Man on Earth, which is not part of our fall TV preview because that is reserved uh, for, for just the new shows. So here we thought we should include the, the returning shows that we've seen a little bit of, including Last Man on Earth. Now, for those who haven't listened to Hey, Watch This, which they should go do, um, who may not know your thoughts on Last Man on Earth, what did you think of season one? Did you stick with the whole thing? Or, and, and then what did you think of this premiere? Uh, I stuck with the whole season, and I'm glad I did. I think the the pilot is maybe one of the greatest pilots I've ever seen, um, and I think it had a few episodes, that, or at least a couple episodes that were really really good. And then that first season has a uh, a real valley uh, for about six episodes there, where it basically has one very basic cheap premise that he wants to have sex with um, uh, Betty Draper. Um, I couldn't for some reason. That was January Jones. <laughs> I always I do that sometimes with January Jones, and that was like pretty much the that's all the show became for a while, and I got really annoyed with it. But I'm glad I stuck with it because I think the last couple episodes are good. I am not in the camp that say that in retrospect the last couple episodes make the middle episodes better because I don't think that's how television works. I don't think that it can do that. I I didn't enjoy those episodes when they aired, and that stays. I I still have those experiences no matter how I felt for the last couple. But given where Last Man on Earth ended um at, at the end of at the end of season 1 and um with a little bit of buzz from seeing them at Comic-Con uh seeing that panel there, uh I was really excited excited to watch um the season 2 premiere and I am happy to say that I enjoyed it quite a bit um because it definitely moves the uh, in terms of character and story, it moves the pieces forward. It doesn't do what those bad episodes in season one did, which is just wallow in the same premise over and over again. Uh, and you get more of the uh, the the sadness of the show. That's one thing that, you know, I, I said that last one or not, the pilot is one of the greatest pilots I've ever seen. It's probably the saddest sitcom pilot I've ever seen. I mean, it literally, the, the pilot literally ends with him or nearly ends with him committing suicide. Um, and the, it, it's not played for laughs like it gets there. And so you get, uh, in this season two premiere, you get the sadness, but you also get the, uh, what kind of fun, crazy stuff might you do? Um, if you, <laughs> if you had access to everything and there were no other people to stop you from doing it, some of the fun stuff that was in season one, you see more of that. And you also see the way that, um, Phil and Carol, um, I guess, can we spoil the end of season one? Is that, uh, yeah. I'm not sure what the rules yeah, okay, so Phil and Carol drove off together, and you see almost immediately the ways that they're having spent the intervening six months with one another have changed each other a little bit. Like you see Phil being more attuned to Carol and being more sort of like um, uh, accommodating, and you also see Carol like loosening up a little bit. Like one of the first things – I don't know how much I can talk about the actual content, but she does like shoot a door open, you know, a, a locked door open, right? Yeah, uh, which is something that um, she chastised him for doing in the first season. Uh, and so I, I really like this. Yeah, it really gets back to the things that I so enjoyed about the beginning of that season. And I just I had to laugh a little bit I, in, in like a 10 or 13 episode season. Can you really call six episodes of Valley? That's like half the season. Uh, 
Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, yeah, you can have a big, uh, I, get, I, I don't know, I get, if you plot it a on canyon? the graph. canyon? Okay. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's a canyon. Yeah. yeah. But, um, I, you know, from from hearing you talk about it and others as well, I had heard that the end of the se- uh, series, uh, season, first season got a lot better. I hadn't had a chance to see it. But I did, I was glad to check out. I've seen the first, first two episodes of the season. And, yeah, it, it really gets back to those things that I connected with so strongly in the pilot. I agree. It's a fantastic pilot to the, that series. It also, like you say, having that stronger rapport between the characters goes a long way uh, towards... Uh, getting to getting to to buying them as people who would not kill each other so together right. like it, it validates the choice from carol at the end of the previous season to go with him which i think is is crucial and it also has some intriguing teases for what's gonna come next like whether we're gonna yeah. see the rest of that cast which i know at comic-con yeah. they weren't willing to say either way yeah even though january jones was there at comic-con they wouldn't even say if she's on the show yeah an interesting choice. They also um, introduced, or I guess, returned to a character that uh, was certainly right. teased in the first season, and I think that's handled really well and is a potentially very interesting addition to the second season. We'll see how much time that character gets I'm trying to dance around things here. But yeah, it has yeah. it has the right the the blend. I shouldn't say the right blend because it's. The other part of the show wasn't the wrong blend. It was just a blend I wasn't interested in. But it has the blend I'm interested in of, like you said, sadness and and pathos as well as comedy and release. And so, yeah, I think people who liked, especially the 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 end of the of the first season, will like the start here. And people who liked the beginning of the first season and then tuned out, I think should tune back in. Um, right. At least yeah. for the beginning. Who knows? If they find another group of people, maybe he'll be a dick right. again and I'll want to tune out. Yeah. But for now, <laughs> I'm liking it. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, start coming back this next week is Bob's Burgers. I've seen the first episode of this and it, it's Bob's Burgers. It's fun. This is a um, sliding doors inspired episode that has some pretty fun, like imagined um, histories for Bob and Linda had they met in a slightly different way. Um, from each of the kids' perspectives, and that that is delightful. And uh, it's a really straightforward setup for Bob's Burgers. Of course, they're going to do something like that well. And uh, I'm very glad to to have that coming back uh, soon. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I've seen the first two episodes, and they handle the transition. um, The transition's teased at the end of the previous season with Holt being out, being transferred to a new precinct. That is handled, I would say, very well. There's some new and some recurring characters who pop up to fill that capacity, and I would say they all work. They also started off or kicked off um, the much anticipated uh, Andy Samberg, Peralta, and Santiago coupling, and I think they handled that, the fallout of that very well, and just this is such a fantastic cast, such a well-oiled ensemble. It's great to, to see them interacting. It really made me, um, watching these two episodes, it's so comfortable. It's such a comfortable show, and it's also such a fun, and again, this is going to be a topic that'll come up. I shouldn't say again. Again, for listeners to this podcast, not again for tonight, David. Not again for you, David. But um, okay. it's just so wonderful to see such a diverse and interesting cast, um, not just uh, you, you know racially, but ages and body types and you know heights. Just it's it's so wonderful to see a cast representing different types of people with different interests, and um, to see that see that see each of these characters as individuals as part of a larger whole and not pigeonholed into one dynamic or one 
I guess, family trait or something. Um, and it just made me wish I had seen more of last season. I was sort of in and out with last, last season because there's so much TV. But um, it comes back really strongly. Fresh Off the Boat has a fantastic opening episode of this coming season. Y'all should check it out. The, uh, the, the family goes on on a family business trip because they don't believe in vacations. Um, and <laughs> as someone whose only vacations growing up were to music camp where I had three lessons every day uh, or to family, like a hundred person family get togethers every other year where we, I would live in, I would be in a house with my entire extended family and then on an island with my extended, extended family and no one else. Um, yeah, we didn't do vacations either. So I, I enjoyed and identified with quite a bit of what was <laughs> going down in, in the Fresh Out the Boat premiere. And I think people will certainly enjoy it. Uh, Blackish, there's I, what I believe is their second episode of the season I've seen. And it's all centers around uh, <laughs> uh, adorable little Jack um, uses the N word in a talent show when he's rapping along to a song as part of like a thing. And it doesn't is that that launches into a conversation. And it, in for those who are, are missing uh, the Carmichael show, I think you will very much enjoy this episode. It's very much in keeping with Blackish. But f- for those of us who have gotten a taste for more interest, interesting and um, thoughtful discussions of relevant topics, I think that. At least, you know, it may, it's not a territory we haven't seen discussed other places. Of course, I immediately go to that fantastic scene we got on Parenthood in the second last season. But it's it's a really it's it's, it's a really fun episode that also is talking about an important topic. Does um, do you actually hear him say the word on the on the show? No, uh, it's it, many many people use the word <laughs> on the show, and they're all bleeped out, uh, and it's wow. delightful. So that's what they did. Yeah, yeah, because I know that's. I mean, we'll we'll talk about Empire later, but I know that's something Terrence Howard has like complained about that Fox won't let them use that word when it would be natural in those mm-hmm. settings to use it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's. Uh, I'm glad. Well, I'm glad they at least bleeped it out. At least like, yeah, let them say it. You know, yeah. uh, as opposed to dancing around. I, I prefer that more. Well, and certain characters don't because there there are different perspectives discussed. Uh, there are characters right. who don't think that word should be ever ever used by anyone. There are those who think it's a perfectly legitimate word for certain people to use and other people not to use. Um, and so it if you if you try to do a, a, a full episode, especially a comedy, without just saying that word for the entire episode, I, I can't really right. imagine it working and feeling authentic at all, like right. an organic conversation. So, uh, yeah, there it's used comedically. It's not really used dramatically in the episode, but it, I think they handle it very well. So, I, are you are are you interested? Are you gonna check out check out that episode, David? I I, I need to. Uh, Blackish is a show that I've been sort of meaning to watch. Um, there was a bunch of times last year when I said the best uh, the best part of Modern Family every week is the five minutes at the beginning of Blackish that when my DVR would catch <laughs> at the end of Modern Family, but I never like committed to watching the show. So I kind of want to go back and watch all of Blackish. Yeah, I, I've really liked what I've seen, but again, I've been in and out. The way I am with so many um, procedurals, or or uh, you know, wash, rinse, re- wash, rinse, repeat kind of comedies, 
Um, mm-hmm. th- that's the kind of show that I love to just like if I'm sick or if I'm folding laundry or something, I'll just put on a marathon of it. Um, but I, I don't really set a DVR um, recording a season pass or whatever. So uh, it's one that I certainly will enjoy when I'm able to go back and fill in the gaps. But I've seen quite a few of the first season and really enjoyed them. And I think you will, too, when you get the chance. Okay. Um, let's move on to this past week's TV. Uh, I'm just going to talk about a couple shows here briefly and then we'll dive in with married but I, I needed to mention the difficult people finale because it was the season finale difficult christmas and of course we came into this segment with the julie klausner performance of uh bitter at christmas that happens towards the end of the finale it was such a, a fun song i really like that they included that um this is one of the more entertaining Christmas episodes I think I've seen in a while. It's kind of odd to be talking about it in September, but hey, it works. <laughs> um, the, yeah. uh, the 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 way that it comes together, it's very, it feels very appropriate, not just because of the 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 Uber price hikes and that inspiring the Andrea Martin to price hike her uh, her therapy sessions at Christmas, which is a delightful concept, um, but also like the dance recitals and the other things that come up in this episode are really nice. I like the way that it shows growth for both characters over the course of the season. For a series that hasn't been very serialized at all, it's very uh, it has a cumulative power that this finale shouldn't have, but because of the, the way that it approaches these themes, the characters, I mean, people are naturally we tend to be very introspective and we're more thoughtful about the year at Christmas when society tells us we should be making lists of things to do next year and everything. Um, so I thought it felt it worked well as a setting for the finale so that we could have the characters more organically exploring these, these thoughts. Um, it's been a really strong season. Very fun. Um, I enjoy the sense of humor of this show. I hope more people check it out and I'm glad to know that it's coming back for season two. So um, yes, a, a very fun end to difficult people. And I liked that we got to see them each shine separately this week um and make very positive choices for themselves uh while also still being very supportive of each other uh next up is review murder magic eight ball and procrastination and now david have you seen any review uh yeah i watched the season two premiere it was the first one i had seen and it blew me away and sort of like blackish i'm like i i should have listened when everyone told me how good this was because that season two premiere was just incredible with Allison Tolman. That was fantastic. Yeah. And like, it's just gotten better. <laughs> so like, has she, conti- is Allison Tolman still no. on the show? Was that? Okay. No, that was, that was, <laughs> she does not come back after he gets okay. her arrested <laughs> after he blackmails her and then gets her arrested. No. Um, but the, oh man, this, this, the, the, I can't, I don't want to say too much about this cause I don't want to spoil you for when you eventually catch up. But, <laughs> The vision. I love that this is a show that both has this discussion of if he should murder someone because he's been asked to review what it would feel like to kill someone, uh, while also just having a blatant masturbation site gag as the main thrust of its central component. Like, <laughs> like the way that this show blends high and low and and just ridiculous comedy with absurd and increasingly dark character motivations is masterful and that's not having i I have still haven't seen this episode but that's what blew me away about watching the one episode i did was i didn't expect a show with this premise to be so character driven and i should have being a big fan of andy daly and his comedy which is all character based i should have understood that that would be what it was but uh, i was really blown away by that element of it 
Yeah, um, when she was uh, on the podcast guest hosting, uh, Emily Stevens, who of course reviews it over at the AV Club, uh, referenced um, Force We Kneel as the Walter White of comedy, and <laughs> which is apparently something that um, uh, James Urbaniak has said as well. Like a month yeah. earlier in an interview, neither of us had read, but um, it's ab- absolutely on the money, and it just. As soon as she said that, it just clicked. I was like, of course, that's brilliant. That is exactly what he is. And watching the yeah. rest of the season with that in mind has just been spectacular. So review, still nailing it, still five stars. I look forward to when you eventually catch up with it and we can talk about it. I also, just very quickly, I'm not going to talk about them, but need to mention Rick and Morty, especially the episode last week, was fantastic. Um, Rick puts himself into a clone teen body and goes to the high school and gets into hijinks. Uh, for fun, why not? Because uh, there's a vampire they need to kill, and um, the parents go to couples counseling on this alien planet where they, they're they're the way that they're they perceive the the couple the the partner is cloned and like created, and so they each are are able to see how the other person perceives them, and then it goes from there in a fantastic, hilarious, hilarious way. Um, again, Rick and Morty killing it. This season and the second episode of you're the worst of the season crevasses also fantastic um loved the spotlight for Catherine donahue this week and you haven't seen it so we're not going to talk and i've already previewed this uh this episode a little bit a couple weeks ago i'm not going to talk about it more but again loving both these shows there's so much great comedy on right now it's like some of the best tv of the year are the comedies that are happening right now that very few people are talking about on a weekly basis and it blows my mind how anybody could be complaining about there not being enough good TV right now is just, I don't understand because clearly they're not watching Rick and Morty and they're not watching review because it's great. Now I thought the complaint, at least from the, uh, the suits is that there's too much good TV. What's it? John Landgraf is like, you know, rending garments and tearing his hair out because he can't keep up. There's too much good TV. Boo hoo. I'm not going to (laughs) feel sorry. I haven't been able to really go off on this, but I'm able to, I'm not going to feel sorry for the suits of the networks who can't get their shows watched because they have too much competition. That's uh yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a buyer's market right there. And uh, just make better shows. If you want to get your shows, you know, people watch your shows, try to be better than the other shows. That's well, how I feel. Don't stand up there at, at TCA or the, or, or the, what was it TCA or was it the, uh, upfront yeah. when he, yeah. yeah, whenever he, uh, uh, you know, you know, bawled his eyes out about how there's too much good TV or whatever. Go jump in a lake, John Langrath. <laughs> well, I, I think he's mostly just frustrated that because he loves the Americans and no one watches it. So I think he's mostly just frustrated that people aren't watching the Americans, which aren't we all? Because come on. But um, have you? Oh, can I confess? I haven't watched the third season yet. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I'm yeah. part of the problem. You're part of the problem. Uh, but Javi Kamil yeah. Marswatch uh, had a great tweet earlier today, um, or maybe it was yesterday, saying anyone complaining about peak TV has clearly never been in a library. How am I going to read all the books? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're not yeah. bowled over by the fall TV that's coming, um, there's plenty of great TV from this year that you can be watching. And if you want a show, should be watching. Yeah, and I think one of those shows we'll talk about could be in contention for that is the show we're going to talk about here, our last show for the week in comedy, and that's Married, 1997. How are you enjoying this season, and what do you think of this specific episode? Well, let me, um, like I did with Last Minute Earth, let me talk about the first season. And let me talk about part of the reason that I haven't watched You're the Worst is because I'm 
a contrarian because you're the worst and married premiered at the same time last year. And all the internet zeitgeist, like hip, you know, uh, the cognoscenti uh, about TV were all about you're the worst. And I loved Married so much in season one and felt like it wasn't getting the respect that a part of me was like, uh, you keep you keep you're the worst. I'm going to be <laughs> over here. I'm going to be over here representing for Married because uh, Married season one, I think, is fantastic. And season two, I will say, has been not bad, but it has been a bit of a letdown from that. And I think because so much of the engine that drove um, the depression of season one, like it's, it's a, uh, again, like we last minute, we're talking about a very sad comedy. Like um, married can be very depressing, but so much of the engine of season one was their money problems was the fact that these are people who feel like they have reached a certain point and, feel like they're living at a certain level when they don't have the money to be like that. Their, their friends make more money than they do, but they're still, they're putting themselves through more aggravation uh, and anxiety because they're trying to live at a level that they don't have. Now in season two, they've moved to a bigger house. They both have jobs. They have money now. They've lost that. And I feel like this show has sort of been casting about for what exactly it's, um, uh, I'll use the word again, the engine of season two is. So that, that's why I felt a little bit let down by season two. And I have to say, 1997, this episode is, I think, part of the problem, which is all the more depressing because I, the last two weeks, Guardians and what was the one before Guardians, Mother's Day, those were the two best episodes of the season so far, I think. Partially because they depressed the hell out of me. Uh, <laughs> I watched them back to back because um, I knew I wanted to catch up for, for this, and I watched uh, all three of these back-to-back. I watched Mother's Day Guardians in 1997, and Mother's Day and Guardians, and the way that they deal with, in Mother's Day, the... Um, I think this is when they're doing good this season. They're, like, people growing apart, I think, is a big uh, theme this season. Lena feels like she's growing apart from her oldest daughter, and, of course, you've got um, Shep and Jess, who are side characters, but... Uh, Guardians became very much they took center stage in that in that episode. It was mostly about them, and it was um, so well done, and not to mention so well acted by Jenny Slate and uh, Paul Reiser. Um, I really felt I really was in this period of wow, this show's back on track. They've found something to grab onto in this season, even if it means elevating the side characters to uh, primary position. And then I felt like 1997 was another like it, I mean, it still got to some of that bittersweet like. Um, Russ and Lena are uh, are are aging, and um, and are, there's a certain sadness and uh, frustration to the fact that they want to hang on to their younger selves, and that's the, that. And I like the show has been consistent about that element of their characters, but I I still felt like this just seemed like a riff on what we've already seen from them. A few, you know, a number of good jokes aside, and a guest appearance from Fred Melamed, who I, whom I always like. Um, I, I, I think this was, I think 1997 was, uh, representative of the season as a whole as being mediocre in comparison to season one. Okay. I think I liked it more than you did, but I also think I didn't like season one as much as you did. Um, okay. so that, that I don't have, I don't have as, as high a bar to compare it to as far as this season compared to the last season. I've enjoyed this season. And like you said, the last two episodes, I think the last two episodes were fantastic and, 
and um, talk about elevating side characters. They can elevate those side characters as much as they damn well please because I'm very happy to spend more time with, especially getting more time with Paul Reiser this season has been fantastic. But, um, yeah. uh, and Brett Gelman continues to, just every time, everything that anyone gives him, he nails because he's very good. Right. And it's wonderful to see him play drama. Now, I, was, I watched this one um, in the previous episode with my sister and she raised a fantastic point um, I'm having a little trouble buying that uh, relationship not falling apart when Gelman's character, like, forces himself into a relationship with the son, and they needed to do that a bit more artfully. I, I know this is a this is an audio podcast, but you can see me nodding vigorously, right? Yes. This is, <laughs> as good as Brett Gelman is, I, like, they are, they are stretching credibility with how much she's putting up with. Uh, the Sarah Burns, is that the actor, actress's name? Uh, her character, uh, it is definitely uh, testing uh, how much we can buy. I think that they did a really good job establishing that relationship, but it's it's something else when you when you involve kids, um, and when when he doesn't respect her boundaries for her son, that should be just a deal breaker, um, and it's not. So maybe that would it would be good to ex- explore why it's not or something. But uh, anyways, I did like what we got with him here. Him coming up with this idea for a children's book about addiction, I think, is actually a brilliant way to take the character. Hopefully that'll develop wow. into more interesting directions um, or continue to develop in what is already an interesting direction. I agree that this um, the central thread of aging... Uh, or Lena, especially being uh, feeling disconnected um, and feeling her age, um, especially now that she doesn't have that, that connection to the kids, she, the way that she did in the previous season where she was stay at home mom and she was constantly um, surrounded by their life and filling her time with helping out uh, uh, to helping them and helping Russ and taking care of the house and the kids and everything. Um, so to have that, I, th- I mean, it's a good thread. It's a good topic, but it's something that we've seen them do before we've seen other shows do. And we've seen them do. And usually uh, the great thing about Mary is that it takes these familiar tropes and these familiar ideas and these familiar premises and then does them in a completely different way to most, the way that most shows would like it did from mother's day, like it did um, in last week's episode, like it did when we met Russ's mother. But this mm-hmm. one was a pretty straightforward approach. So while it was a well-executed one, I agree it's one of the less interesting episodes of the season because it didn't have that surprise or that twist uh, or that different perspective that we usually expect from the show. Yep. So what wins then your week in comedy? <laughs> is there some Last Man on Earth, Married? Is there something else that we didn't talk about? Uh, well, I guess last, I mean, last Man on Earth hasn't aired yet, so I don't know if it's eligible. But You watched uh, it. Uh yeah then um uh I guess last minute I don't know but uh, there's the you know there's a couple other sitcoms I watched that are you know new fall series premieres one of which I think is incredible and I can't wait to talk about it but I don't know if I can spoil here uh, okay. how much I love okay so I guess to be continued when we get yeah. to our fall TV preview okay and I'm gonna give it to. Oof. I mean, I got I can't not give it to review. It's the review award. It's at this point, it is the review <laughs> award. Honorable mention to Blackish episode two and uh, Rick and Morty and You're the Worst and Difficult People. There's a lot of good comedy right now, people, but it's still the review award for now. Um, now we'll take a break and we'll come back with our week in everything else. 
I can't help it if I make a scene. Stepping out of my hot pink limousine. I'm turning heads and I'm stopping traffic. When I pose, they scream. And when I joke, they laugh. I've got a pair of eyes that they're getting lost in. They're hypnotized by my way of walking. I've got them dazzled like a stage magician. When I point, they look. And when I talk, they listen well. Everybody needs a friend. And I've got you and you and you. So many I can't even name them. Can you blame me? I'm too famous. Haven't you noticed I'm a star? I'm coming into view as the world is turning. Haven't you noticed I made it this far? Now everyone can see me burning. Now everyone can see me burning. Now everyone can see me burning. This week in drama, genre, and reality, we're going to preview the upcoming season of Empire, as well as Dave is going to preview, because I did not watch that, uh, the upcoming premiere of Nashville. Then I'll briefly uh, mention the I'm Kate finale, A New Beginning. Dave is going to talk about the great food truck race, Red Set Attractions. Uh, I'm going to talk about a little, just very briefly about Steven Universe's Sadie Song and the Doctor Who premiere, The Magician's Apprentice. And then we'll both dive in with Project Runway Otec Couture and the Emmy Awards. There's a nice little, I'm sure we'll get some, I don't know if you talk, do you care about red carpet? Uh, I didn't watch any of the red carpet stuff. So yeah, I, I, I don't have anything to say about that. Don't know how much fashion talk we'll have then for the Emmys. But first, uh, I mean, if we're going to talk about, there's a nice little segue here for many reasons. Taraji P. Henson's awesomeness at the Emmys. Um, her awesomeness on Empire. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot here. I'm just going to go with, let's talk a little bit about the, this upcoming season of Empire. Now, I've seen the first uh, three. How many have you seen uh, of this upcoming season? I just watched the first one. I thought that was the directive here, was okay. just to watch. Uh, I, I, part of me doesn't want to get too far ahead, because I, I'm the guy who wrote a whole thing on BattleshipRetention.com about why the Netflix model is bad and why it's like bad for television in general to be uh watching entire seasons at once and not letting it uh the conversation build uh so i didn't want to get too many ahead so i just watched the first one but oh man i can't wait to watch more because this premiere was so good i was over the moon uh with the season two premiere i don't know how you felt but i had a blast with it yeah i thought it was fun um I really enjoyed season one. I think this is very much in keeping with season one. I was not fond of the way that season one ended. I thought they kind of uh, lost track of the strengths of the show um, by getting a little too insane with the twists and the scheming. And it for me, it lost some of the character. That is why I really like the show um, in the machinations that were required to do the big shock twists that ended season one now this season premiere i think balances those elements well and um and, and i think the song i think the music is good uh for these first three episodes i um some people i know are less enthused about the music in this season but the music was never the highlight of the series for me ever um so i might be the only person who feels that way i don't know what do you think uh there are only a few songs that um from empire season one that stand out and I know that I mean no, I know there was one song from this current season that I was humming or this 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 premiere that I was humming a little bit, but it hasn't. I think I've already lost. I couldn't tell you how the melody goes now. I've already lost track of it. So yeah, like you, it was never. It's never the uh, the 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 drawing uh, point. Is that that's not a, a phrase that people say? But um, it's never a big draw for me. The way it is in Nashville, for instance. Yeah, I really like the energy it brings the show. I wouldn't want the show to not have that element. 
Um, and the, it, I think it really does help the show, but outside, I'm not going to listen to most of these songs outside of the show, though there was some, I will watch Jim do a ballet solo to, to it anytime he wants to for the So You Think You Can Dance fans out there. But, um, anything else, any other thoughts? What's, who's your, is it still the cookie show as far as you're concerned? Uh, man, I, I, um, I mean, it's always going to be to a certain extent, but, uh, Terrence Howard was great in this episode as was guest star Chris Rock. Um, that was, that, that storyline was fantastic. And it ends with, uh, I think, uh, uh, I can't wait till this is actually aired and more people talk about this. The sort of, uh, the reason why, you know, you point at a character like Lucius Lyon and you say, this works because of the way Terrence Howard is playing him because, uh, no spoilers, but it ends with sort of, uh, what Hannibal Lecter would call a mic drop moment. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, for Terrence Howard, and then the camera on him as he's walking away, I feel like the the obvious way to play that would be with a sort of stern resolve or like a badass, like, you know, uh, grim face as he walks away from his mic drop moment. But he has almost kind of like a gleeful, like, playfulness and a smirk to the look on his face. Um, and I, 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 again, I can't wait till more people have seen it so I can talk about what exactly I mean. But, uh, you know, he's walking away from a room he's just left and he's, he's reacting to the sounds that are going on in that room. And he's kind of like, ooh, like <laughs> laughing at it a little bit. Like, uh, and I think that, that sort of, um, those unexpected little, um, little, little, uh, twitches, as much as I do want to say it's the cookie show, um, Terrence Howard is great on the show. I, I'm not a fan of his. For many, In many reasons. He's a talented actor. There are a lot of yeah. talented actors out there who don't get, you know, go to get charged and convicted of beating women. So, no, I know. completely understand that. I, but I think he's, I have... he's very talented and he's very good in the role. Um, yeah. But, I, you know, I'm the guy who says that Mel Gibson's a good movie director. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've, you know, if you listen to Battleship Pretension, I've always argued that, you know, it's not, it's, I think it's morally okay to say someone's good at oh, yeah. their art, not um, approving of them as an individual. I, yes. I feel okay with that. Yes. They but then are... again, I've never been beaten up by Howard, so maybe I might feel differently yeah. if I had been. Yeah. That's a... No, I'm going to be responsible. That is a conversation for another time. We will stay on track. Um, we, should. we should. But, um, yeah. Okay. I, I have so many thoughts. But you're you're right. I agree. He, it would be disingenuous to say that Terrence Howard is anything other than a, a very talented actor. Uh, but for me, this is still all about Taraji P. Hansen. She is the heart and center of the show for me. And without her, even with Terrence Howard, I think without her, the show doesn't work. I also really like what uh, Just, Jesse Smollett is doing in these first three episodes. Uh, he continues to be a highlight of the show as well. And I think basically if you liked season one and were worried it was a flash in the pan in season two, would not deliver on that. I think they've come back very strongly. And I think, I, as I understand it, it's going to do two half seasons um, of nine yeah. episodes. I think that's a smart approach. And I've seen a third of this first half, and they're okay. fun. So I think y'all will like it. That is my only concern, is the uh, the increase order for season two, and whether a show that is so based on, as you mentioned earlier, like craziness and twists, if that can if they can if they can avoid that being exhausting um when there's what like six more episodes than there were last year five more episodes I yeah know. yeah yeah we'll see um it's definitely going to be a challenge for them um but at least they don't have like a 22 episode season or something like that uh so yeah. we'll see how it goes uh but let's move on to our next preview uh i you've seen the season premiere of nashville 
what did you think? Uh, it's if you are a person who likes Nashville, um, then you won't be disappointed. It, it does not. Uh, it, it it keeps up being what it has become and what it kind of perfected, I think, in its third season, which is being kind of just like a classic nighttime soap with, um, you know, high production value, mostly very good performances um, and and good music. Um, it, it's you've got. Uh, like on when Empire is at its best, you've got character consistency even in the face of rapidly changing situations and plot lines because it's a like a classic nighttime soap. It just like cycles through events. Uh, you know, every couple episodes, there's something huge happening, uh, and it, it picks up about uh, three or four weeks after um, the season three finale. And so the um, you know, uh, if for anyone listening who did watch the season three finale, the the cliffhanger there was that something had gone wrong with Deacon's liver transplant. That is, uh, um, uh, that is, that is addressed. It, you will find out what that was. Um, I think it's handled very well. Um, not handled so well, or I guess handled as best as they could is the fact that Oliver Hudson, who is now busy being on screen Queens is, I guess not on the show anymore. And the way they, the way they replace him, quote unquote, is that he now has like a new right hand man, like assistant. So it's like there's a character who's constantly on the phone talking to Oliver Hudson's character, but you never hear Oliver Hudson's character. So it's basically just they just found a way to proxy uh, the Jeff Fordham character in. Hopefully they'll uh, uh, they'll resolve that soon. But um, uh, I, I I will say if you're you know if you like Nashville and if you're uh, okay with sort of standard um, nighttime soap tropes. Uh, and, you know, minor spoiler, if you're okay with the premise of three men, a ba- three men and a baby, uh, you will enjoy the, the fourth uh, season premiere. Fair enough. That is, <laughs> that is a delightful solution. But I feel like I've seen <laughs> at least one other show do something like that, like where they just kept missing the person uh, until <laughs> right. their, their schedule opened up. It's just like, guys, guys. But hey, you know what? Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, I wanted to mention the I Am Kate finale because I didn't have a chance to talk about it last week, A New Beginning. I thought it was a, a strong finale or a solid finale. I should say the first half of the, of the episode was much more interesting to me, which was the conversation between Kate, uh, Caitlyn Jenner and, and Chris Jenner. And that I thought that conversation actually goes really well and is really um, even-handed. And the, the second half of the show talking about the, the renaming ceremony was very nice. It got, it's, the show is very aware of, of Caitlyn Jenner's uh, privilege, which is the most interesting thing about the show. Um, it also enjoys her celebrity. Um, and so this is this episode that this veered a little too much into uh, self-indulgence for me. Uh, so I, it was less less interesting to me. It was less distinctive than several of the other episode, episodes have been. Um, but I still think it's uh, it, be, it was a beautiful ceremony. It was a lot of fun when Boy George comes out and some of the the people on the show get to talk about what a significant uh, figure he was for them um, when you know, like in the eighties. Uh, it was I, th- I thought it was surprisingly powerful, and uh, it was really neat to see. Some of these, um, these like the, the culminating journeys, I guess, over the course of the season. Who knows if it's going to get picked up? It may have already gotten picked up, and I just don't know. But I was very surprised to have find I am Kate such an interesting and thoughtful and uh, self-aware 
show and I hope more people do check it out. Um, now, have you seen any of it? I assume you haven't seen, have you even heard of I Am Kate? I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, I've never, I've never seen any of it. Um, I've never actually watched any of the Kardashian, the keeping up with the Kardashians. I, you know, I watched one they did years ago. Remember when she got married to that guy for three days? No. Right. But okay. <laughs> Kim Kardashian got married to a guy and then divorced three days later. But he did a whole like special leading up to the wedding. And I was in a hotel room. And somehow I always convince myself like this when I'm in a hotel room somehow because I'm not at home. I like I'm, it doesn't count. Okay. It, yeah, it doesn't count. So like I watched the trash. Like the only time I ever watched the Jersey Shore was in a hotel room. Uh, and so I watched a few minutes of the like leading up to the wedding special where uh, her fiance picked her up and threw her in the water at this like lake. And she lost one of her earrings was when she lost about seven thousand five hundred dollars because it's like fifteen thousand dollar pair of earrings. That That's all I remember. And then I was like, this is not for me. And then I probably watched some uh, Pitbulls and Paroles, which is the great, uh, great reality TV show that I don't think is on anymore. Fair enough. Um, w- the way that I am describing I Am Kate to people who haven't seen, because I've not seen any of the Kardashian shows uh, either. Uh, I've not even seen that much of it, as, you, as much of it as you have. Um, but I Am Kate is basically Check Your Privilege, the series, um, <laughs> about Caitlyn Jenner. And uh, it's, I would never have guessed that that's what a Caitlyn Jenner TV show following her around would be. But it has that perspective. It has it, it has this really multifaceted look at the trans community and um, more people should check it out. So I'm giving a little bit of bully pulpit time here on this episode. Um, but you you didn't watch IMK, but you did watch The Great Food Truck Race, which is, I know, a favorite of yourself and Mrs. Howell. What yes. did you think of this episode? Uh, it's good. Like I feel like I don't know why this show doesn't get talked about more because I think there's uh, at this point like reality competition TV has been around long enough that it's just you know we you know we should have years ago stopped talking about it as like uh, you know not even a trend but just like oh I don't watch reality TV it's like it's another kind of show some of them are good or some of them are bad and the formula when done right can just and I'll talk about this a little bit with Project Runway too it can almost go on autopilot once you get a formula right and the great food truck race despite having one of the uh food network problems which is a boring host uh, I feel like chopped has Ted Allen and that's great other than that I feel like the food network has a bad track record of picking hosts for their shows um, and Tyler Florence is uh, no exception. He's, he's just like boring and weirdly awkward and kind of like gesticulates with his shoulders a lot because I, I think he feels like uncomfortable and feels like, well, okay, when I'm explaining the challenge, I have to be dynamic. And so he's always like doing this weird like uh, shoulder like like shifting thing while he's trying to explain here's what you're going to do. But even despite that, just uh, the great food truck race is just it's always good. It's um for those who don't know, it's a it's a uh, a, a show where food trucks compete, um, and each it, but it's not just that they each one get you know one gets eliminated every week. It is that, but they're also it sort of has a, a road trip. So each episode is in a different city, and then you know whoever um, doesn't get eliminated gets to move on. The part of the part of the announcement at the end is not only like here's who's eliminated, but also here's where we're going next. They don't know until the very very end. So you get. Uh, um, you know challenges that you know 
despite there being a formula of like, okay, you're going to have to cook a local dish or like do something, you know, local uh, related in this challenge, you also have to deal with differing types of locals. And so you'll see like um, uh, this season hasn't really had that, but you've seen like um, trucks that will do really well in a lot of cities and then we'll get to a place where uh, there's, uh, I guess you kind of did have the opposite of that this year where only one truck did really well in Santa Fe because there's a lot of vegans and vegetarians in Santa Fe and there weren't a lot of vegan and vegetarian, uh, trucks, uh, or, or people who had those, those options. Um, and so the great food truck race is, uh, a, a fantastic little, you know, um, it doesn't, it set its tight sights too high, but it's, a uh, uh, you know, mid-level, reality competition show that's always fun to watch that is also an Americana travelogue. I think that's part of what uh, attracts me to it so much. That's a great pitch for the show. I probably <laughs> won't set aside time to watch it, but I know when you recommend reality shows, I always enjoy them. And the most recent example is the episode I saw a month or two ago. What's the name of the, sh- the show with the swords? Oh, Forged in Fire. Forged oh. in Fire. Which was yeah. delightful. They didn't yeah. split a bullet. That was just the katana thing, apparently. Uh, okay, that's too bad. Which was too bad. But they did. Ha- they had to slice bamboo instead, which was uh-huh. a whole, the whole thing. But um, and that's a show. This is a show about uh, forging swords, listeners. Um, and it's delightful. And uh, I've seen like half an episode because it was already it had started. It was like ha- like ten minutes in, but I was like, oh, uh-huh. this is that. And then I had to watch it, and I was very glad I did. So clearly you have excellent taste in reality, and I need to check out The Great Food Truck Race, is what I'm hearing. All right. <laughs> the next show uh, up quickly is Steven, Steven Universe, Sadie's Song. And um, I, was, I, was, I was looking at shows that I could just like kind of skip and not and talk about next week because I didn't want to just talk about a bunch of shows you don't watch, David. But then that's Steven fine. Universe had to go and have not just another fun episode because that's what it always does because the show is great. Um, but the the way that this episode ends, the, the, it's a 10-minute animated series because uh, I know you don't watch Steven Universe, David. Or at least I think you don't watch because if you do and you just haven't told me, then we have to re-examine <laughs> our internet friendship because... No, I, I mean, I, I, have seen, I have seen episodes uh, for a couple reasons. My nephew loves it and also... The guy who voices Greg Universe is a, a radio host podcaster that I'm a huge fan of. His name's Tom Sharpling. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. uh, Stephen's dad. Um, yeah. So I've watched some episodes because I heard, oh, this guy that I'm a huge fan of does a voice. But uh, I haven't, I haven't sat down and watched the show like I should, uh, especially after being at the Comic Con panel and realizing, like, wow, this is a really devoted fan base, and there's clearly something special going on with the show. Uh, David, David, your nephew is a young man of, of fine taste. Let me just put it that way. Cause it, the show's amazing, but uh, I was going to feel like, okay, well, you know, I can talk about this next week. Um, but this episode centers around the, the, the town talent show and is Sadie going to sing? And of course that's the character voiced by Kate McCoochie. Um, and, uh, feeling pressured into singing and the, the, the episode just takes the turn that every other show gets to, which is don't make, I don't want it. Like is Sadie going to sing? Her mom finds out about it. And just like makes it about her more unintentionally. But so is, and so does Steven. They're not listening to her when she said she doesn't want to do it. Any other show would have her 
perform anyways and then end up having a great time and it turned out all great and this show doesn't do that of course because it's steven universe and it's the shit instead it has her not perform because that she wasn't comfortable with that and instead has steven perform and do this whole routine in makeup and a dress uh and no comment no judgment no anything because why would there be because this right. is steven fucking universe and it's <laughs> it, it has no time for your rigid gender stereotypes and this is why i love steven universe so um everybody out there who's not watching the show is quietly subversive while being delightful and it's 10 minutes long everybody has 10 minutes Right. In a given yeah. week is what I have to say. Anyways, love Steven Universe. Doctor Who had its season premiere as well, The Magician's Apprentice. My review is up at Sound on Sight. Uh, I really liked a lot of this premiere. The premise of this premiere, David, is uh, uh, the, there's this kid who's stuck in a, in a a hand mine field. Yes, it's hand mines. They work better than they should. They're like zombie hands that come out of the ground and like grab your foot. Um okay. It works better than it should. It shouldn't work, but it actually is actually pretty creepy, so that's saying a lot. The doctor comes to save the kid uh, and uh, then gets the kid to try to cal calm the kid down by having to tell his name. And basically, it's baby space Hitler. <laughs> so uh, it's not Hitler, but it's, it's, that's, it's a character. It's Dav Davros' character that functions in that capacity, essentially, in the... Um, in the universe in, in in the doctor who world uh you know storylines um the creator of the daleks i'm sure you know about the daleks sure yeah with the uh plunger hand plunger yes. arms exterminate yeah. precisely so then what does he do what would you do if baby hitler was standing there seven year old ten year old baby hitler standing there being like please save me from these landmines and you, what do you do? Um, so it sets up that great premise. It has a lot of fun in the first part of the episode. And then it squanders all that by turning the episode into um, either they break the show or they undo everything they've done and reset the timeline somehow. Uh, or they've been lying to us um, and don't break the show. So which do you think is going to happen, David? Let's speculate. Uh, uh, I, I, I think they're going to um, err on the side of caution and not break the show. You think they're not going to have the companion <laughs> get killed unceremoniously in the last few minutes and then the TARDIS get destroyed and Missy get killed and the only way the doctor can save them is to shoot a, an infant in the face? You think they're going to undo that somehow? Uh, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine how, but I, I think that's what they're going to have to have Yes. To do. <laughs> ding, 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 you are correct. And it is stupid for them to ask us to invest in that when we all know they're going to just undo it anyways. So they had me so much. I was not excited about this premiere at all. But they, they got me with that opening. And then they sustained me, even though I don't really care for Missy, almost all the way through the episode before being like, guess what, guys? We're going to take away Buffy's powers. She's not the Slayer anymore. For realsies. Believe us, we're not going to undo it. I mean, like... <laughs> We all know you're going to undo it. So don't right. ask us to invest in that as a cliffhanger. Come on. It's like insty and it's like anti-stakes. It's insty anti-stakes and anti-investment. So I don't know if they can salvage it. It's a to be continued. I really don't care about the second half, but they surprised me by making me care about the first half of this premiere. Maybe they can make me care about half of the next episode. For more thoughts, check out my review at Sound on Sight. But I've been talking too long. I want to know your thoughts about this week's episode of Project Runway and as well as the season, Otek Couture. 
this will kind of uh, be on the same uh, wavelength of what I said about great food truck races. I think Project Runway at this point, I think this is a a weak crop of designers in this season overall. And what's fascinated me is how much that doesn't actually matter to the quality of the show. Like I'm still enjoying the show. And I think if it were a thing where like there were a few who were great and everyone else was crap, then it would take some stakes away. But it's like everyone's kind of mediocre, I think, compared to what we've seen in the past. And so you the in in terms of uh proportionally the stakes are still the same, right? If everyone's just kind of okay, then the the premise of the show and the fact that everyone has, uh, you know, there's a challenge, it has these rules, and there's this deadline, and uh, that's what happens in every episode. Um, that it, it it's just been interesting to me that I've enjoyed this season despite not liking very many of the. Of the, of the designs, although there were a couple that I loved this week. The winning design and um, Ashley's design with the Polaroids uh, on the dress were both fantastic. Either one could have could have won. Um, I don't know. What do you have to say? Well, I have not watched any of the rest of Project Runway this season um, and for many years. However, I do listen to and enjoy the fantastic uh, Tom Lorenzo's Pop Style Opinion Fest the podcast. Are you familiar with Tom Lorenzo? No. Oh, TomLorenzo.com. Get the okay. TomLorenzo.com. Because uh, you are a dapper gentleman, sir. It's actually odd not that you're right, not... Not right now. I'm glad this isn't a show podcast. You're not wearing a tie. It's very strange. It's the only time I've ever seen you not wearing a tie. Because it's been hot as the sun in Los Angeles recently, so I'm in a t-shirt. Fair enough. But this is a style and fashion blog. They also write... Um, reviews of certain TV shows and they got well known amongst the critical TV community for their amazing write-ups, uh, style driven write-ups of Mad Men that were just amazing. Oh. Just like think the way that I overanalyze the music on Hannibal and then times a million right. with way more facts to back it up about fashion. Uh, that's how great the Tom Lorenzo uh, Mad Men, uh, Mad Style write-ups are. But anyway, so they have a podcast and they talk about Project Runway every week. Um, that reminds me, I want to say that Project Runway as a whole has become slightly less interesting to me ever since John Teddy has stopped writing it up for AV Club. Because mm-hmm. those weekly, that was that used to be a part of the ritual to me. Like <laughs> watching a new Project Runway meant not only enjoying Project Runway, but I get to read John Teddy's like uh, review of the episodes, and he doesn't do them anymore. Uh, he writes his football column, which is also great. But uh, I, I do miss those a lot. Then maybe you should check out their podcast yeah. because they do talk about okay. it every week. Um, but anyway, so because of that, and and I've been I've been listening I listen to that podcast anyways, and they've, so I've just heard them talk about the last season, the entire season so far <laughs> of Project Runway, as well as I've seen pictures of they put up a post as all the pictures of the design, so you can actually know what they're talking about. Um, so I was actually familiar with many of the characters. It was interesting to put a face to the name and some of the designs. Right. I was very excited to actually have there be a few dresses that I liked this week, a few uh, designs. The, the, for the last couple weeks, I was not impressed with anything. In the, uh, the They had the two lines yeah. the week before. I didn't watch the episode, but I saw the designs, and I was not impressed by any of them. Well, the week before was the lingerie. Ooh, yeah, the lingerie episode was one of the worst uh, groups of uh, the one of the worst runway shows I think in the history of the show. That was dreadful. But I did really like you said I really liked Ashley's dress. I did like the Polaroids. Um, I would have. I don't. It, maybe it looks different in person. To me, it looked a little bit. 
too much just like we stapled a bunch of Polaroids to fabric um, for the skirt. The bodice worked really well, but I think she just ran out of time, so the skirt okay. didn't look as good for me. But I did really like the concept, and you know, it was lovely to see her succeed because um, it seems like you know that the narrative they're building about self-esteem with her, I thought, was worked very well. Also, um, it they did a very good job of making me happy that the person who left left. And feeling like he just needed to not be there. And they seem to really be enjoying their swap needle uh, uh, thread of talented guy who doesn't try. Is yeah, that yeah. a recurring theme for the season? No, I feel like that's uh, a, a bit of a new thing uh, with swap needle. Um, they, like, I, I don't think I knew he was a smoker before this episode when they really hammered home that he's constantly taking smoke breaks. Uh, if they had more foresight, that would have been interesting to see that sort of teased out. Um, but I don't think the show is made with as as much as I still enjoy it. It's not made with as much care as it was when it was under the uh, Magical Elves umbrella. Uh, you know, because now it's a Buna Murray uh, reality show. Um, I don't know if these names mean things to people. I'm I like reality TV. So. <laughs> they do. They mean things to me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I assume um, they mean that what I ever means things to me must mean things to all of our listeners because I'm okay. a podcaster, so therefore I'm an egotist. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I want to ask you a couple things. Now you say you haven't watched in years. Is this the first time you've watched a 90 minute episode? I didn't notice it was a 90 minute episode. <laughs> yeah, and that's just standard. Like all their episodes are 90 minutes now until like the finale, which will be like two and a half hours, um, and that is a bit of a complaint that it doesn't need to be that long almost ever um but uh, uh so I, did, I didn't know if that if that didn't register to you then uh, that's all uh, all great uh, the other thing i wanted to ask you what did, what did you think about jake leaving early um, i i liked that they did not i liked that they treated that with respect and they should have yeah yeah and i i didn't yeah. necessarily anticipate that i expected at least one bitchy talking head and i really liked that they didn't do that or at least I'm sure they would have loved to, but the contestants didn't allow that. So the respect shown for this right. relationship um, with his with his dog, I thought was beautiful and very. That's something that I think. Do you now? Do you have a pet? Have you had a pet? Oh yeah, yeah. We have a dog and a cat, and we were we definitely spent the second half of the episode giving our dog lots of hugs and pets <laughs> and attention. Uh, yeah. After that happened, just to make sure he knew how much he was appreciated it probably just weirded him out <laughs> yeah and <laughs> i don't have pets it's not i'm not a pet person i love dogs and i love cats but i just love my friends to have them so i can visit and then leave um <laughs> that's how i feel about children but since my sister got a dog many years ago uh that has changed my perspective tremendously on uh, I mean, because I got the dog thing. I got the, the man's best friend thing. And yeah, I understood it conceptually. I understood it, you know, as a, this is a thing that people are, are very powerful emotions and relationships with. And But still the notion of people treating their, their pets like their kids or whatever, I would have scoffed at that and made fun of that. But now having had a, I guess, doggy nephew, that feels super weird and wrong to say. Yeah. Um, but being around a uh, a, a pet more frequently and seeing that bond um, over the years, it's just tremendous and it's something that I would not have had respect for had I not been peripheral to that kind of, that, that how powerful that relationship can be, um, particularly in trying times. Um, yeah. 
yeah so so i really appreciate the respect that was me given. too um and but in, in in just in more uh you know practical show terms it also throws uh a twist now because we know project runway has an episode order mm-hmm. you know yeah. so what that means now is every week now potentially they will not send anyone home um you know what i mean to to yeah. make up for the fact that someone yeah. left and uh so that that adds a new like uh uh, just a new wrinkle to the elimination uh, section at the end of the of every episode. Yeah. Well, and I was wondering if that meant that they weren't going to send someone home, but uh, then Heidi's like, someone else is def- is still going home. Uh, which, <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I think it's because they had people they wanted to send home. They were ready to send home, so uh, they were confident that they would be in the bottom because the producers are still seeing footage, you know, even if maybe the judges aren't, but... Um, Right. But yes, I was. I enjoyed the episode, and yeah, now that you say it was ninety minutes, it's like I was fast forwarding through a lot of commercials. Uh, that makes more sense. <laughs> um, but uh, it didn't definitely didn't need to be that long. But um, I'm glad that I can put faces with names and now enjoy those uh, those you know the pro- project runway talk a bit more throughout the rest of the season. I doubt I'll tune back in unless there's a particularly good episode you tell me I should. Um, okay. But I'll keep you posted. Keep me posted. Let's talk about our last show of the week, though, and that's the Emmy Awards. Um, I live blogged this over at the AV Club, and so I watched the whole thing and did it live, and uh, that was an entertaining uh, experience, I guess. Um, how was the how was the how were the Emmys for you? Because I assumed you didn't watch because you never want to be on the Emmys podcast. Uh, yeah, I don't do the Emmys podcast. I yeah. don't do the Oscar podcast over at Battleship Pretension either. Uh, and I don't, yeah, I, I enjoy very much watching the Emmys and, and the Golden Globes and the Oscars with Mrs. Howell. Um, and it's something we do together. I don't live tweet them anymore like I used to. Uh, I don't do the podcasts about them. I just like enjoying them because I feel like something about like the immediate reaction, not, you know, the both in terms of live tweeting and, uh, uh, podcasting uh, immediately afterward or or uh, just, you know, taking it on. I feel like it makes... I mean, this isn't a judgment of other people who do it. I'm saying, for me, it makes me more cynical when I start... when I, when I I'm When I'm trying to generate, like, you know, uh, instantaneous reactions, I tend to, like, point out the negatives more. And I found that with award shows, I enjoy them more if I'm just watching them with my wife. And uh, I enjoyed this uh, a lot. I thought... Um, because also the other thing with award shows is that I don't actually care who wins at all. Um, I mostly just want to see it as a, you know, as a television fan, it's like a variety show. You know, it's got like uh, little bits and stand up and people, you know, get up and read jokes off the teleprompter. And uh, I like watching it in terms of the comedy and also knowing that as a, you know, network award show, it's never going to be that button pushing. You know, it's not going to be Stephen Colbert at the uh, White House uh, Correspondents Association dinner, which is one of the greatest things that's ever happened uh, back in 2006, whenever that was. Um, it's going to be kind of middle of the road, and so I like to see how the people deal with it. Obviously, the top of the like the 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 people who hold the title for being best at that are Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. When they uh, host award shows, they are the best. But I thought Andy Samberg did a really good job of being like safe but goofy. You know, um, like I think the joke about. Adrian Brody being in Houdini and then the cut to like the empty chair and Andy Samberg's he escaped. Like that's what I'm looking for. That's just goofy. It's not going to upset anyone. Uh, it doesn't have to be super cutting. It doesn't have to be like what Ricky Gervais tried, tries to do. 
um, even when I like him a little bit. Uh, his bit was good in his bit about taking having a picture taken with holding an Emmy was like I think good in conception. Uh, it took a little too long in execution, um, but uh, mostly I just wanted to see how Andy Samberg did, and I think he did that. And he also had. If you know, I mean, it's, there's a total like dad joke, but if you know me, that's my kind of joke. But his joke about, uh, I haven't watched all of Kittredge. I've only watched half of Kittredge. <laughs> that is my kind of comedy. <laughs> yeah, I definitely enjoyed that as well. I will take terrible puns. Uh, that's not, that's the thing. We say that, but that's not a terrible pun. That's a good pun. Yeah. I'll take good puns any yeah. day of the, of the week. And I actually credit, um, uh, How I Met Your Mother and Marshall's fish puns and specifically Jason Siegel's delivery of them as turning me around <laughs> on puns because uh, now I'm pro pun. But um, no, I thought he did a good job. And you said you say he brought uh, the goofy. He brought the weird. Uh, and I fully support that. Uh, Tatiana Maslany eating beans. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Always. <laughs> you know, like that, that totally worked. Yeah. And impaling Jerry with uh, Emmy. Yes. Let's do that. Why not? You know, like, I, I liked the sense of humor that it brought. I liked that he was comfortable enough to, to not adjust and play more towards the room. Uh, I, there were many right. things that I was laughing out loud at that were not playing well to the room, such as the the age-wage joke, which was fantastic. Right. And, of course, yeah. it's a little too real for the 50% of the people in there who have to deal yeah. with that every day for their jobs. Um, but it was very funny. And as Emily Stevens did point out on Twitter, they missed the clear rage connection. That would have been the appropriate <laughs> capper. But, um, but no, that was great. Um, not everything. It was a little bit of a shaky start or, or a, it took a little bit to get going for me in the monologue, but on the whole, I thought it worked really well. And one of the things I also really really appreciated that I haven't seen other people talk about yet is that for the most part, they didn't give bits to non-comedians. And right. can, yeah. can we just like preach that from the hilltops? Like don't give bits to people who aren't comedians. They gave bits yeah. to people. Yes, but it was Gervais. It was Kimmel. It was people who do this, who are hosts and comedians for a living. And so they can handle that. Like they had, they had Amy Schumer and Tina Fey. They did a little, like a little thing. Uh, I think it was Tina Fey. Yes. Uh, that they, again, comedians and hosts, they can do this. Don't, don't try to make not funny yeah. people who they may be really game. They may be really excited, but they don't do this. They don't know right. how to read the room. They don't know how to read the timing. It's not their fault. Don't ask them to. Um, and I also think having some like embracing the, 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 the lonely Island, like, or the Andy Samberg kind of like taped things is a brilliant move that they should do more frequently. Cause then you can control the time so much easier. Right. Yeah. So they ended two minutes early. That's fantastic. It's a beautiful Good thing. Good for them. Beautiful yeah. thing. Uh, yeah, I like the tape. I, uh, you mentioned the taped bits. The whole intro, especially his riff on the Billy Crystal thing, yeah, of just like popping up in the background of shows and just saying, hey. Um, <laughs> I thought that was very funny. Um, a couple things I wanted to say about uh, Jimmy Kimmel's bit I liked a lot, but I also wonder if, like, you know, that, like, was it Jeffrey Tambor that he then gave the award to? Yeah. Uh, is that what it was? I'm yes. trying to think, but like Jeffrey Tambor then gets up and has like a very emotional speech, you know, mm -hmm. and, 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 and addresses, you know, trans issues and stuff like that. And I wonder if, Je I wonder how Jeffrey 
Tambor feels about his his win being uh, led up to by a goofy, uh, a very goofy bit. Um, I don't really care, I guess, that much, but um, I still think that the, the moment worked uh, in, in both ways. But I, I can't help with myself in Jeffrey Tambor's shoes and feel. I wonder if he feels like the you know had the rug pulled out of him a little bit. Um, I don't have to wonder about that because I saw his face and clearly he was not amused. Uh, <laughs> he's like, can we just get to this? all?" And also, bless, bless, bless uh, Trashy P. Henson for keeping Howard moving. He's like, come on, let's just, let's go. Let's just power. Th- come on, dude. You're killing me here. Uh, which was yeah, delightful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Viola Davis winning, which is fantastic. Um when she was reading off her list of young black actresses that she uh, feels thankful for, that she almost looks up to for her, herself, yeah, I thought that was very emotional uh, and very touching that she named Tragedy Henson and Kerry Washington and Nicole Beharry and Megan Good and some other people. Gabrielle Union, yep. Do you think Gabby Sidibe was going was sitting at home going like, "Oh fuck me, I guess then." Well, because <laughs> she see, didn't get she didn't get a mention. <laughs> she was specifically naming the the african-american lead actors of series and so gabrielle union um is the lead of being mary jane which is a barely discussed show in its third or fourth season uh, I say... I've, I've seen one episode it was yeah. pretty good i thought and so i actually really love that she gave megan good a shout out for the upcoming minority report nicole bahari for for sleepy hollow because okay. and this is something that actually that uh, gabby Ellie... is on empire she's just not a lead that's, she's that's not what the, lead. the i see okay because, I mean, this is, Viola Davis was the first uh, black actress to win lead actress, black, you know, black, black actress to win that category. Um, and, and Emily Nussbaum actually tweeted out a staggering statistic before Scandal in 2012, the, the most recent uh, network show with, uh, with a black lead was 1974. Wow. Which was a black exploitation series that lasted twenty three episodes, twenty two right. episodes, yeah. Uh, and then, so yeah. <laughs> the final thing I want to mention, and this is the thing that happens on the Golden Globes every year and on the Emmys every year, comedy is always the undercard. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The fi- they're split up into comedy and drama, but the final award of the night always goes to the dramas. What can't they switch off years? That would have been think? a. A happier way to end. I would have much rather gone from uh, that that moving uh, speech uh, and you know, uh, from from Tracy Morgan uh, into right. Veep than Game yeah. of Thrones winning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, we're not gonna, we're not talking really about the winners because again, like you said, you don't care. I I really don't care. I probably would not have watched if I wasn't live tweeting it um, for AV Club right. and. Um, I, it was odd. There are many tweets from me that night about guys. I'm not. I'm agreeing. Like talented people are winning. They might not be my picks, but they're deserving. Like almost all. What's yeah. going on? I'm enjoying myself. The show's not behind yeah. time. There have been some fantastic, fantastic speeches, and I don't hate most of the winners. Yeah, that's a like. I kept being a little bummed out that. Uh, Wolf Hall didn't win anything because I think Wolf Hall was amazing. But also, it kept losing to Olive Kittredge, which was also amazing. Yeah. So it's not like it was winning to American, you know, losing to American Horror Story, uh, Freak Show. Um, it was losing to something. So yeah, I, 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 yeah, I have no real reason to complain that much, except for Game of Thrones winning so much. Because come on, come like, on, the Americans 
you're going to give the writing to Game of Thrones. You're going to give the writing to Game of Thrones. Yeah, and I just want to, like, I'm so, uh, I feel like the, the Emmy, the Academy, whatever, is, like, a year behind this geist in a way. Because I thought, I kind of thought we all agreed that Game of Thrones Season 5 was the worst season so far. Didn't we all, like, feel that way? That was <laughs> like, the thing, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm kind of, I, 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 I shouldn't let myself be surprised. But once again, the Academy uh, proves that they're behind, behind the zeitgeist. I was pretty much just pulling for not Downton most of the night. Which isn't fair because I haven't seen the show in the last couple seasons. Uh, I just started it. I had to break up with it in season two and a half because I thought it was, t- yeah, pretty much terrible then. And apparently it's only gotten worse. <laughs> um, so I was pulling for not Downton and also not a bunch of other things like not House uh-huh. of Cards. Like if if Robin Wright, I love Robin Wright and she's Princess Buttercup. How can I not love her? But if she had won for lead actress, I mean. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Uh, as much as I would have liked Elizabeth Moss to win, I'm not going to argue against Viola Davis. I'm not going to argue against sure, many yeah. of other people. There were, like talent, like I said, talented, deserving people won in most of the categories that aren't The Daily Show beating Last Week Tonight. So, I mean, I'm pretty much happy. The last thing I'll mention is, um, <laughs> yes, Julie Louis-Dreyfus absolutely deserved her win. But can we not just imagine what that acceptance speech would have been if Amy Poehler had won? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I thought, I just again, Amy Poehler killing it at the award shows and just, yeah, yeah. I like Gervais's just kind of like get me out of the frame thing. I know it, some people didn't like it because they thought he was making it all about himself. I mostly appreciated, yeah, we, we agree. You shouldn't be in that company. <laughs> like, no offense, maybe <laughs> right. Gervais, you're good at what you do, but mm, go on. Um, I also yeah. enjoyed the Dinkles is uh, Jonathan Banks and um, everybody else. Jonathan Banks should have won. <laughs> it was like the subtext <laughs> right. there. But I mean, Amy Poehler with the the hoodie. I mean, that was amazing. Uh-huh. Any yeah. other favorite moments? Uh, I loved uh, the other joke that I forgot to mention. That wasn't the goof. The more cutting joke was Andy Simberg saying. How many shows we said goodbye to this year? You know, David Letterman and John Stewart, and then he also said, and we also said goodbye to True Detective, even though it's still on the air. <laughs> uh, that <laughs> nice. was a good joke. Uh, as good. a person who did uh, not finish True Detective season two, uh, I very much related to that. Yeah, fair enough. Hey, that was one of the funniest comedies I watched the that first episode. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think that I think that is. A, plenty of emmy talk we've gone way longer than we intended on this segment what Happy wins your stuff. week in everything besides comedy sir uh what wins uh again if we're talking about uh you know stuff that hasn't actually premiered yet that i got to to see i just freaking love that empire season two uh <laughs> premiere and also we haven't talked about it but i finally caught up on uh, the mr robot finale this week uh which mm-hmm. was also incredible but i can't talk about it here because i literally i just watched it uh, last night, and I am still unpacking really how I feel about. But uh, just know that I love Mr. Robot, uh, and when it comes time at the end of the year to do top ten of the year, uh, Mr. Robot will almost certainly have a place in my list. Very, very nice. Well, I look forward. If you talk about it on the next, hey, watch this. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on the season. Um, and I'm going to give my week in everything but comedy. Um, oh, dear, sweet. Baby Jesus, help me. I think I'm giving it to the Emmy Awards. That feels very <laughs> wrong. But uh, I'm going to get out of the segment before I have time to think about that too much. Now, uh, now, David, when we started this, the goal was to do a quick week in TV, since uh, we knew that the, the ending segment would be very long. And 
of course, as any of our podcasts or podcast segments we've ever recorded together, that has not happened. So instead of um, going to a break and coming back with our Fall TV preview, I'm going to actually split the podcast into two of uh, two episodes this week. And so we'll have a separate uh, Fall TV preview out on the feed. So uh, so we, we will be right back after you click to the next track. <laughs> 